0: Well, hello, and welcome to our podcast. My name is Zach. I'm David. And we're so glad you're joining with us today. Um, today, we're going to hit a, honestly, a pretty tough topic. I'll be I'll be honest up front, but one that, man, I, I wish more people were talking about, to be yep. honest. I'm really excited to have uh, David here to, to share. Uh, and that topic is just an, up at the front is spiritual abuse. Um, if you're, I guess, if you're online, if you will. Uh, and, and you hear the news going out in Christian circles, you might know about the Southern Baptist Convention and the big report that was found um, about a week ago from our time of recording this podcast uh, about sexual abuse and power abuse and all, just all sorts of abuse that was happening within um, the Southern Baptist Convention. And now it has a lot of pastors, not just in the Southern Baptist Convention, but pastors from all sorts of denominations and uh, strands of faith asking what do we do um yeah. is this in our circle right is this in our system and um the likely answer is probably yeah most likely it's it's there and um I, i'm just really excited to talk about this with you david because I, i've gotten to see um you know you and i obviously follow each other on instagram and it feels like you're always Posting a video of you or someone else that you know talking about spiritual abuse, and so yeah. this is obviously a, a passion project of yours to talk about it. And and I I think it's something that again I, I wish we were talking about more, and is very necessary yeah. for this moment. If we're going to move forward as a as a church, as followers of Jesus, we've we've got to understand this. This has no place in the church, in the body of Christ. So um, yeah, I guess David, maybe just first speak to why this is something you are so passionate about you know
1: what's what's drawn you to wanting to speak about spiritual abuse yeah i i had a couple of weeks ago i had a really well-known pastor uh friend zach knows him as well but a a guy who reached out saw some of the stuff that i was saying and asked he he just asked um based on the stuff that you are saying about spiritual abuse david why why would somebody want to become a pastor so that was the lens why would somebody want to become a pastor and my thought and response is well if we don't why would anybody want to attend our churches Hmm. and what I would say right now is it 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 is uh, abuse in the church and it's been around forever wherever you see any groups of people you see personalities and you see narcissists whatever it is Uh, Wherever you see that, you see unhealth. You see power, seeking for power, trying to find those positions, and you see people hurt from it all. What we're seeing now is more and more is coming out. And because of the internet, because of people and the way we communicate, it's not that it's a bigger problem than it used to be. It's just becoming more revealed. But what I would say that spiritual abuse is... Uh, it's the cancer that nobody was wanting to talk about and deal with and unfortunately it's the the community the victims but also people who are outside of the church that are in a sense bringing uh, accountability now to the church and i i will say that if we don't handle this with a sense of honesty and with a heart of justice uh, we're going to lose entire, uh, entire groups of people in our church. We, we've already, because of scandal like this, we've lost a huge level of influence in our world. And that's a big deal because we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. We're called to bless our world. And so that's a lot of the reason why. For me personally, I'll say this. Um, I Ten years ago, if you told me I'd be a pastor, pastor, I'd tell you, you were crazy. I didn't want to be a pastor. Um, I, it makes, if you know my story, it makes absolutely no sense that I'm doing what I am doing now. But I believe in Jesus and I believe in his vision for the world and ultimately the church. Um, doesn't mean that we get it right all the time, but I believe in that that vision. And just like we talked about in the last episode, you have God's people that are called, they're called for a vocation. But there's there's still people that need to call them back to faithfulness and so that's why i am uh, as passionate uh, i was raised in a christian environment that was highly abusive emotionally spiritually uh, sexually all those things it's highly abusive and it was a high control environment and because of what i've had to walk through not only do i see things in religious environments that concern me a lot of the time. um, I, because of my ministry of speaking out about this and continually uh, within my inbox, getting people sharing their stories because they don't know where to go with what they've walked through. Um, Boz Trevigian, who is uh, Billy Graham's grandson, Mm -hmm. he said back in 2013, and nobody really listened to him. I don't think people really, really understood the depth of what we were walking into. But he's a guy who created, it's called GRACE, the acronym GRACE, uh, Godly Response to Abuse in Christian Environments. They're the, the third party that Bob Jones University hired to do investigations because of allegations that they were receiving over decades of abuse. And victims were raising their hand and saying, I was abused. I was abused. Nobody did anything. I was silenced. Bob Jones hired GRACE. And GRACE is probably, in my mind, one of the best organizations for dealing with abuse in Christian environments. And Boz Trevision, this was back in 2013, uh, he said, when looking at the Catholic uh church, the Catholic mm-hmm. side of Christianity, he said, we're we're pointing fingers at them and, and all the priests mm-hmm. and all the all of the sexual abuse scandals coming out. And he said, Man, this, this is crazy. He said, the Protestant church is worse. And I don't think that we fully understand the depth of that yet. I think it's still coming out. I think the Southern Baptists. Uh, convention, two decades of over 700 victims that have raised their hands, that they have silenced. They put their names in folders, attempted to silence. Some have been threatened by clergy. And, and this is all within the Southern Baptist, which is the largest, largest Protestant denomination in America. On top of that, you have Hillsong uh Bobby and and uh, and uh, Brian Houston have been pulled from their position, but then before that, you have Carl Lentz, and now you have all these these these, these conversations of people, are, these pastors that are that are saying that he you know he did this to me and this was the threat he gave me. Uh, I think of another pastor. I have a friend who I used to run a podcast with and a blog with, who he was a associate pastor at a church in Iowa. And worked under a pastor that they finally pulled i remember two christmases ago he called me on christmas eve he said david I, i'm gonna have to preach christmas eve service he said they just fired my lead pastor because of bullying and spiritual abuse
0: and wow.
1: he asked his he asked his board uh, after the, they put him in the place of they put him in the place of uh of interim lead pastor he asked his board well uh why did you hire this guy in the first place their response was he was charismatic and he got things done and so they put somebody in a place uh, where he's abusing people uh and so anyway it's it's rampant in the church and i think that we need to start talking about it because the only way people both parties can truly heal is if there's honesty and, and you face the reality of the truth of the situation. So it's a long way of getting there, but that's the why. So,
0: yeah, yeah no, it's really good. I think one of the things that um, was interesting earlier on, you were talking about like how all this is starting to come out seemingly all at once, right? It feels like we're hearing story after story after story. And you, you listed a few examples and even in my mind, I'm like, Oh, and there's this one and this one, and this one. And I think there's a tendency, particularly when these cases of abuse pop up, is is to kind of callously say, yeah, but why now? Like, why yeah. now? Why You know, why, why did they say something back then? Why did they say something back then? And I just find that question so unhelpful. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not really pulling us forward. And so I really appreciate like this desire to say it's it's happening and it happened in the yeah. past. What, what do we do going forward? Well, one of the questions I want to ask you, I, I realize... I just jumped right in asking you why you're passionate. I didn't really ask you to define it. And and I think you <laughs> did a little bit here and there, yep. but, but maybe share a little bit about what are some of the signs yep. of spiritual abuse? Because maybe you're listening here and you're like, well, I, I don't really know what that, that looks like, or maybe that's happening at my church or I have no idea.
1: Yeah. So g- give us, give us some examples yep. or, or ways that we can see that. Yeah. So spiritual abuse, if you were to define it, it's really, it's actually really hard because there, there is a a, a, a God attachment, a, a faith practice attachment to the abuse. And so there, there's, there's all sorts of things that we feel internally, shame, a fear, all sorts of things. But I could define it as simply as possible by saying that spiritual abuse comes from an environment, mostly of high control, that normally is passed down from a view of god that is a high control angry manipulative god and or leaders in the church that are either shaped by that belief in god and so they put their place self in a place of authority and then play out that authority in really unhealthy ways or they're just plain narcissists that have moved themselves into those positions now within spiritual abuse it could happen through a series of just Like I lived for 17 years of my life in a highly spiritually abusive environment. And so that shaped a lot of things in me. The other thing that could happen is either within that environment from a period of time, you, you experience an event or multiple events from within the context of a faith environment. So for me, uh, it was multiple forms of legalism, then there was multiple forms of shame. But then for me, one of the things that I wouldn't say it's unique, but as a part of my story is I was sexually abused. And so all those things kind of come together. And when when your faith is attached to it all, you don't know how to unwind it because there's shame. Like, And so the whole like you you mentioned the what why why now i i was 25 before like the first time i opened up about it Hmm. because i didn't feel safe when you're in an environment of high control that's abusive you're just you're not safe Hmm. and so there is a point in which um sometimes timing and your own personal growth lead you to a point of finally kind of raising the flag Some of the things you see internally in you, uh, there's a lot of people I talk to, they have nightmares, night terrors. A lot of times uh, what you find are there are doctrines that are attached to this view of God that pin God up as this like sadistic monster. And, uh, And so a lot of people are scared of hell. They're scared that something that either they've done or that has been done to them is gonna put them in hell and so there's this major view of hell and then there's this just major view of letting god down Mm -hmm. and just continually i let god down i let god down is he mad at me is he punishing me and so and you see some of the environments i see today i mean there's some of the people that have tweeted about you know uh god's punishment or god using abuse and it's all part of his sovereign will And all this stuff that isn't really helpful, because what it does is is when you see that stuff, first of all, that's a red flag that the leader that's saying those things or the environment you're in is abusive because they're shaping you in ways that all they do is pour on shame and fear. And, you know, what I say is, man, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Uh, Perfect love casts out fear. Well, if your faith framework is one of fear, then it's something that isn't spiritually healthy that's founded on God. And sometimes when you start exploring, you're starting to walk through, uh, deconstruction is what maybe the, 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 term we would call it. Uh, you start, and you start looking at some of those frameworks of fear that were built up. You have to, in a sense, let, let the perfect love of God cast out that fear, but then you're left, you're left feeling alone. You're feel left feeling confused. So all those things, man, if if your faith environment has bred fear in you, if your faith environment and the leaders around you are giving you night terrors, if you're scared of going to hell because you've done something that, you know, you feel is like this unforgivable sin, um, those are all red flags that you have been, if nothing else, you've walked through trauma uh, at the hands of and within the environment of, of faith community.
0: So yeah. 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 Well, I mean, for David, thanks for, for being open and, and sharing your own story. And I, I can just imagine that there's someone, someone listening and and feeling similar things and 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 taking notice of their own feelings, their dreams, mm-hmm. their experiences, and um uh and and feeling like I'm in a similar spot, you know. Um, so just even to have that openness, right. To, to talk about this, I think is huge. And like you said, it took 25 years to even get to that space of doing that. It's a, it's a difficult process. And I, and I think the beauty of what you're doing and, and the conversations you're having is, is giving that open space to say, here I am, I'm, I'm being willing to talk about it as a pastor. Um, yeah. please share your story as well too. Um, I, I, one of my next questions for you, David is, um If you find yourself in the midst of being in a, a, an abusive faith community or, or spiritual abuse, what would you advise someone to do next? Like yeah. if, that, if that's you, what, what should you do next?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good question because I think each scenario, uh, each scenario grants maybe a different, Uh, response. So for instance, if somebody is concerned about the environment, I would say go to your pastor and leader and raise concern, and see how they respond. Because to be honest with you, their response will tell you, you know, uh, growing up, my, my mom approached one of our pastors at our church, and he laid into her. So the response of the leader will tell you, and it'll, it'll, it'll kind of drive the nail in the coffin. The other bit is is and this is really really hard because we especially if you're from a Christian environment you have pounded in your head Matthew 18 Matthew 18 I'm going to go to the person who sinned against me the issue is is with somebody who's narcissistic or abuse or an abuser that is complete and totally not helpful because they're going to gaslight you mm-hmm. they're going to gaslight you and so know that if you are being abused or you have been abused by somebody Do not approach for the sake of gaslighting. If you're not familiar with gaslighting, what it is is somebody reshaping the narrative in a way that makes you feel crazy. So they're going to be like, no, you're blowing this out of proportion or that never happened. Or one that I hear all the time, even in my own story is, well, you got to remember all the good things. Mm. And so it's like this, this reshaping of the narrative. And that's going to happen to you if you approach the abuser by yourself so what i would say is find somebody either in that environment that you can you can approach the person with and call them hold their feet to the fire um i've had to do that multiple times i had to do that like two months ago with somebody Hmm. um, somebody that was complicit in an abusive environment that i was a part of you know they were like saying things like um you know well you gotta remember not everything was bad. Mm. And and I just had to be like, I just had to be like, you know, that I told him that response is not helpful. I need you to yeah. hear my pain and I need you to face it. Mm. Um, and so so I would say don't approach your abusers alone. They're, they're going to gaslight you. They have a history of it. You might not even realize that they have a history of it. They have a history of it. Yeah. They have a history of grooming and they have a history of gaslighting. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is, um, is don't put your head on the chopping block. So at that point, you have the you have the right to set up a boundary. And if you feel like that in that meeting, in that meeting you are being gaslit or you are being re-victimized, get up and walk out because what happens? Abusers and abusive environments re-victimize their victims. Mm-hmm. And so if if you understand that going into the situation um you have the right to just leave and never come back and if you're afraid that that's going to happen to you you have the right to leave and never come back um what i would say at that point what i would say at that point is uh to seek after healthy relationships um i have friends honestly that have been so traumatized by the church that their most healthy relationships aren't within the church. And I trust this is where the deal, I, I, I give the situation to God, hoping that the right people in their life will come, that they can trust. That'll turn them in that direction, but you don't need to put your head on a chopping block to deal with it. Um, if you don't feel comfortable, abusive environments are used to re victimizing and they're used to gaslighting. So mm-hmm. I don't that's know if that's helpful, but those are some thoughts in there. Every situation's different though. And so I would just encourage you to uh, to assess: Do I feel safe um, if I am going to confront? So yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's really good. I think the next the next piece I was thinking of was um, was man, if you're if you're a pastor, you're a leader in your church, you have an influential voice uh, in your church community. Um, man, what, what are some of the signs that maybe you are creating or aiding a potentially abusive environment, you know, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what are signs to say, um, I'm looking at the place I work and this church I'm a part of, and I'm starting to see some signs, yeah. what might those signs be? Um, and maybe even including in that question, what's what's the way forward as a pastor,
1: yep. as a leader in the church? Yeah, there's a lot of layers to that. Because right now, right now, I would say the common, this isn't true everywhere. It's not true where I'm working at. Um, but the common view of a leader, uh, it looks like a CEO. You have a lot of pastors that they kind of have that personality profile. And a lot of times, if you look across a board with lead pastors, especially of mega churches, but that's not true. Just in mega churches, it's true in small churches that a lot of times what happens is, is churches want people in seats quickly. Yeah. and so it's like we have a need and we have a need for a leader now and so if somebody is like man i'm capable of performing that task they it's crazy how narcissists and abusers get put in positions in churches faster than any other sort of organization but you have a lot of pastors that are in those positions because like i said before they're charismatic and they get things done And what winds up happening, we see a lot of them have sociopathic tendencies and a lot of them have narcissistic tendencies, whatever they are on that spectrum. And so I think that one of the things you need to ask is, um, you know, what what are the things that drive my leader? Is it it prayer? And is it a Jesus-like fruit of the spirit mentality that comes out of a a life of prayer? Cause if, if not, there's some concerns. Um, I see a lot of people right now hailing pastors and leaders that are like, they say hard things, they're bold, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, but, but speaking truth and saying hard things is not a fruit of the spirit.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. not, and it's not really not, hard things, but they're a jerk.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a fruit of the spirit. So that's not necessarily something we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate the fruit of the spirit. So if your leader and your leader at the top, whether it's an elder uh, elder board or your, your pastoral staff or your lead pastor, does not it does not look like Jesus and it's not embodying the fruit of the spirit, that's a huge red flag. The other thing, a work environment is, are your employees scared to speak their truth? Mm. are they scared to see what they say are they scared to raise a red flag that's a huge red flag uh, as is you know and uh and what winds up happening are are uh even then their own personal struggles people have they're scared to talk about them and then it just festers and boils over and uh we we unfortunately live through one after the other of those um it was like simultaneously and, uh, and what it is, is you have environments where people are scared to raise their hand and say, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with my life, I'm struggling with my marriage, I'm struggling with you as a leader, whatever, whatever it is. And so those are some of the big red flags um, that I would say, man, church, church leadership right now, uh, you know, when you deal with kind of even the past movement we were about, those church planners assessments, it's kind of, it's kind of like, tell me about your success and tell me how you've grown a church there's little to no questions about character
0: yeah
1: there's little little to no digging into a person's character it's almost like it's almost like that's a lack of a value Mm. and so when i look at when i look at the types of leaders that we try and put up in our churches right now it would almost be like if if we were to say okay jesus you've asked us to build the church so we got all of the best most qualified pharisees that were available for us and we put them all in roles and positions. That's kind of how we think through leadership in our church. And what does Jesus do? He goes to the people that couldn't cut it (laughs) to make it to to really learn under a rabbi. And he's like, I choose you, come follow me. I choose you, come follow me. You sucked in your Jewish school, but you're (laughs) gonna come follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men, you know? And so Jesus's lens is way, way different And so I think that the leadership values, a lot of churches right now are obsessed over corporate leader, uh, corporate level style leadership. Honestly, I'm not saying that those things are bad, but when they're an obsession, that's a red flag because what does corporate leadership value? Does it value the things of Jesus and the way Jesus would pinpoint leaders? Not always. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think think there's good wisdom there too to say that it's not necessarily like, a pastor who's coming off from being a CEO somewhere has no spot, it's it's to say that when that becomes our evaluation, right? When it's, yeah. when our evaluation of someone's work in the church could easily be transferred over to someone who's a CEO of a bank or something, you know, like yep. if we remove the Jesus-y words, those assessments could be probably one and the same. Um, yep. So sort of reevaluating, we, we value much different things in the church, or we at least we should, are following after Jesus. Um, I guess I, well, I want to end my, my last question on this for you, David, is um, just to speak to anything in, in the scriptures, anything that Jesus says as it relates to spiritual abuse that might mm-hmm. be of encouragement, might be of um, conviction, exhortation, things that you have found in scripture. I know I'm putting you on the spot right now. Yep. Think through that. Um, but as it relates to this, to, to bring us back to scripture here, when speaking yep. of spiritual abuse.
1: Yeah, I think of multiple interactions that Jesus had and the type of people he had interactions with. So I would actually put like the woman caught in adultery in John 8. um, I would actually put that as a spiritual abusive moment. I've seen multiple people traumatized by the church when they have been crucified publicly for their sin, whether they're on staff or whether they're just an attendee. Uh, People, I've heard stories of people having to, being asked by their pastor Like um, I know somebody who was pregnant as a teenager. She was pregnant as a teenager and her pastor said, I want you to come before the church and apologize for what you've done. So so those are, those are, I would say that the, the, the lady caught in adultery when the way Jesus handles it, um, I, I believe that he, he gives her eye contact. He handles her as a human. And then he deals with everybody's sin in that moment. He doesn't, He's not like, okay, so I'm going to join in your, your mob. And, <laughs> and that's kind of, we have a mob mentality when it comes to yeah. dealing with sin because we don't want to deal with our own. And so we abuse people because of that. Uh, Jesus, it's like, I'm going to deal with everybody's sin right now. And, uh, so that's a situation I would say where Jesus disarms a moment of spiritual abuse. I think at that moment in Mark, I believe it is where, um, uh what does he say about the having a weight and being plunged into the sea like that's what's going to happen to those who harm uh the little ones yeah and uh man that is (laughs) some strong verbiage uh I think about some of Jesus's teaching that is contrary to some of the teaching that leads to abuse like I'm the type of person, I really believe that God has called us through covenant and also through his people to a a life of holiness, but it's his holiness and not our own. Um, But I believe that part of what has abused people in our attempts at holiness is, and I talk about this purity and modesty culture. Mm -hmm. And so there's certain things where people have been traumatized and had shame put on them be especially females it's your fault that men are lusting you know Mm. it's if only you wore something different what jesus says he turns it and says no if 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 your eye causes you to stumble pluck it out and so jesus teaching actually is contrary to some of the teaching around modesty and purity uh that we place on the women. Jesus is no, the one who lusts has a problem, pluck, pluck out their eyes. So Jesus has some teachings that I think would challenge some of the teachings that I think lead people towards abuse and and having to walk through healing because of that trauma.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's it's as we're looking at people in leadership and pastors and and church leaders that that Jesus is that model, right? If we're seeing someone who doesn't even look a, Glimpse like Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. That's an issue. So, well, thank you so much, David. Anything else that you wanted to say on spiritual abuse that we didn't get to today or Yeah,
1: the only thing I would say I'll put I'll put this in the notes uh, is that if you're looking to go deeper, there's two books I would tell you to pick up. The first one is When Narcissism Comes to Church by Chuck DeGroat. He's a guy that I actually took a preaching class from in San Francisco so that's a good one the other one is a church called Tove by scott and laura oh, mcknight so yeah. and uh tov is a hebrew word for good but it's a goodness that god has actually called us to by vocation and so what are the things and environments that don't lead us to goodness and how do we build a culture of goodness in our churches and uh i'll tell you all the churches i've been around my entire life I've only been to a handful that really embody a healing tove. And we need to see more of them. And we need to call people to deal with their abusive tendencies so that we could all move on and heal appropriately. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah we're, we're definitely at a huge moment here in, in the life of the church, particularly here in the States of, of what are we going to do? Are we going to Are we gonna continue in these same ways? And we're just going to see abuse situation after abuse situation. Or are we going to learn from this and move it forward? So. I thank you for, for everything you said. I think that's definitely a way forward and and uh, a path for for pastors and church members to consider what life would look like in a spiritual, healthy relationship at a church. So um, thanks, David. We'll, we'll link in the show notes, those books that you can check out. Um, and if there's anything else that we think of, that would be great. We'll put that there in the notes as well. So thanks so much, David. Thank you awesome. for listening, everyone. And we'll be back soon. Bye.